Growing your business doesn't have to be difficult. It's all about mastering a few key techniques, systems, and mindset. Welcome to Foot Traffic. With over a million downloads, it's the go-to marketing podcast dedicated to helping you grow your small business. I'm your host, Stacey Tushel. I've been an entrepreneur for over 15 years, and I own multiple seven-figure businesses. Together, you and I are going to get you more customers in the door, more profit in your pocket, and more happiness in your home. Let's transform your business starting right now. Hi, everyone. I am so excited to chat with you today. We have the ladies from the Product Boss Podcast, which I am so excited because I personally have been talking to my mastermind and my friends about, should I be adding physical products to this mix? I've got a service-based brick and mortar. I have digital products. And I'm curious and intrigued by physical products. And I knew these were going to be the go-to ladies that I wanted to ask all my questions to. And I thought you might want to hear the behind the scenes of what we would have talked to, you know, offline. So welcome, you guys. If, I'll give you each a second to kind of share your story, introduce yourselves. And um, how did you kind of get started in this physical product space? Great question. So I'm Jacqueline Snyder, and my co-host and partner is Mina Kunosi-Tep, and um, we are the co-hosts of the Product Boss Podcast, where we help product-based business owners build profitable businesses with strategies for improving their systems, growing their visibility, and ultimately making more sales. So my background is I'm a fashion designer by trade, a business strategist, and I have consulted over 2,000 fashion apparel and accessory brands since 2007. And um, I have also had a of my own. And I actually was able to meet Mina because I was actually, I heard about her through another podcast and, um, heard that she was an Amazon expert, even though at the time she didn't consider herself an Amazon expert. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to pick her brain about what to do with a product that I had to get it on Amazon. Cause at that point, Amazon was a newer platform yeah. and we started as biz besties and turned into business partners and now hosts of the product boss podcast. Amazing. Yes. And we spoke a similar language, right? The product business language. And so my background is that I have a product business called Little Labels and we sell waterproof labels for daycare, school, uh, camp, all the things on mostly on um, what we kind of describe as like open retail places, um, more of the modern versus the traditional. So we're talking Amazon, Walmart.com, Jet.com, those sort of things. And so when I met Jacqueline, we just hit it off because we spoke the same love language of product. And I think you already know the answer to what we're going to say to your question. Should you add product to your business? And the answer is yes. Uh, we actually are huge fans and we always teach around having multiple streams of revenue. Mm -hmm. And I think that you're seeing it, especially in the time of crisis, that people really did need to di diversify. They yes. needed to be, you know, have their eggs more in one, uh, more than one basket, even before COVID-19 hit. So mm -hmm. I think it's just a great way. And especially the things that we're seeing right now that people are really even more emphasizing a physical product, right? They want to purchase something and be able to yeah. feel it, taste it, see it, all the things because of the experience that it brings into their house, mm -hmm. especially since, you know, some of us are more at home than others, actually, as things are opening back up. Yeah, and I think, too, the more digital products become, I mean, they are so normal, you know, quote-unquote normal for us right now, but I think they're starting to get so saturated and so it's almost like, 
watered down maybe is even the word. And I think even being able to add physical products to our digital products, right? Having that in, even just kind of beefing that up is going to be helpful. So I want to hear from you what happened for you guys or for clients that you serve when all of, you know, COVID-19 kind of kicked in and came to the United States. What happened? How are your physical product dealers handling this right now? And is it still the right time for us to be thinking about it? Should we be waiting a little bit till things settle down? That's a great question. So when it first started hitting, there was a little bit of panic. Everyone was like, what's going to happen? What am I going to do? And the fortunate thing, I think, for product-based business owners, especially the ones we work with, they are either solopreneurs, they work from their home, or they have small teams, even if they have physical locations and offices. And so we felt and we saw that smaller businesses were able to pivot very quickly. Mm -hmm. So even we have multi-seven-figure product-based business owners that we work with, and they have teams, but even they were able to sort of like pull it back, go home with it, or the business owner would go and ship from her location, or they would, they would drop packages at their employees' houses. It was this crazy minute of everybody scrambling, but they pivoted quickly and they were able to ultimately survive. And so the coolest thing that happened actually was, I'm going to say the majority of our students that we work with right now actually had their best selling months ever in April of 2020. Okay. Mm -hmm. Which is bonkers, right? It is. It's crazy. And I actually have had, you know, uh, people, I'd say both people, brick and mortars and people online saying we had our record Mother's Day event. We had our record. um, We had a few clients hit their record April month as well. So, you know, people were home and some people were, were still buying. They were still shopping. They were bored and they were looking for things to do. So... That's really exciting to see. Like we're kind of hitting three very different types of businesses between the three of us. And we've all seen people have the potential to hit their record numbers, which is really promising, really exciting. So what are some, like for people looking to dabble in this space or maybe start to add a physical product to their already existing business, what would be some tips or even some, please don't do this, (laughs) you know, as you're jumping into it, any, any tips for us? So I think it's just knowing the right questions to ask. So as you're starting to think about, I'm going to, I'm going to give this example of it being in COVID times. I think the key differentiator for all those people that we saw succeed was the people that either decided that they're going to wait it out, like what you said, Mm -hmm. or the ones that were going to do something about it. And the ones that were going to do something about it, they had to not be rigid. So Jack and I really, really pushed them to do things that were out of their comfort zone. And they could say, well, I've never done it that way. I'm a brick and mortar that's never had to go online. Mm-hmm. Or they could say, okay, I'm going to do this and I'm not going to be rigid in this creative problem solving that I'm having to do. So that's the thing is when we all started in our entrepreneurial journey, whether it was service or product, we all had to be kind of non-rigid. We had rigid. We had to look at the opportunities and, you know, how are we going to solve this problem? So I think that when you're looking to add a physical product, you have to think, how can I do this? What do I like doing? What could I see doing that's not just about cash injection, but about long-term because physical products are demanding, right? And what questions can I ask and who do I need to ask to get me to that first next step and then the next one and the next one? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So when you say physical products can be demanding, can you expand upon that? Like, what does that look like? What are we getting into if we're thinking about heading this direction? 
Um, just real quick, what, so a lot of things and I've, you know, started so many brands over the past 14 years. So it's, it's a cash flow thing. So you can start a service-based business. You can just kind of pop up and say, here's my Instagram presence and I'm going to do a podcast and I'm going to launch this business, but you work with a lot of physical locations and it's the same idea for product-based businesses. You have to go through development, right? There's a lot of development of the product packaging. You're sitting on inventory typically, and then you're hoping to sell it. So there's a lot of stuff sitting on your shelves. I will say that Mina and I oftentimes when people, cause people come to us and say, I want to start something, but I don't know what to start. Yeah. We typically say, figure out a minimum viable product. So what's the easiest point of access into starting a product-based business? It's something that's just minimal. You don't have to come out with an entire line of something. Um, you can test a product or you can even test the idea of a product and pre-sell it and see if people buy it. And if they do, then you go ahead and you go into production on it. So I don't know if you have anything to add to that. Yeah. I mean, the idea is if you already have a service-based product or service-based business, adding a product could eventually increase your cart value, Mm -hmm. right? For you, for example, you sell dance classes, Mm -hmm. but you could also add on the dance clothing or the dance accessories. And it just makes that service an all around thing that makes sense, right? Mm -hmm. I don't think that people should add something just to add something. It has to make sense to why they are aligning it with their own service brand and then also in the path that they want to take for their overall business. Yeah. Well, and for something like a studio, it's very easy to see like, yes, dance shoes and leotards. For an online product or an online business though, it could be a planner, uh, implementation workbook, you know, a success guide. Like there's other things you have to ask yourself when you give that digital product, is there anything that could go in there that would be complementary to what it is you're having them do? So there's so many ways that you could be doing this, but you're totally right. If it doesn't make sense, it feels like, why am I getting this? And, and, um, I'm sure you guys can talk about this, but how many times do I get like swag in the mail with my digital product? And it's just, stuff I'm never going to use, stuff that has weird sayings written on. And it's like, that's not the physical products we're talking about. I mean, really, truly owning your own products and creating your own products. Um, Do you see people coming to you thinking that that is physical products? Like, do you have any of of those people thinking, oh, this is what I'm going to add? I think that people, I think... I think the the biggest issue is that people don't actually look into their ideal customer avatar and really think, what does this person need? And what would make me different in the marketplace compared to other people out there, right? So if you're going to come out with another planner, for example, is it your best-selling planner? Are people downloading it and that they want, and then perhaps you turn it into a physical product and they get the download in addition to it so they can take it on their iPad or they could work through the physical book? Because, you know, some people love pen to paper and actually planners have been skyrocketing in sales right now because people are home and they're journaling and they're scrapbooking. Um, so yes, people come with some wacky ideas and we, we don't say we, we don't know their customers and we don't know, we don't know anything about their businesses. So if they, we just tell them what's your minimal viable product, what's your easiest point of entry and who's the customer and do they really want this or need this and why you and not someone else's. Yeah. Right, because I think when you are, especially if you're in the world of creating something digital or a service that you can just change the next week, right? I mean, it, there's there's not any big, um, oh shoot, we have to do this and it's going to take us months. No, it's this quick fix. In something physical, if I go have this planner and I have a thousand copies sitting in my o- my office, right? And then I want to make a change. What am I doing with those thousand copies, right? How long mm-hmm. is it going to take me to re-edit, 
reprint all of that. So it is a definitely a difference. What would you say to somebody who wanted to start with something? Let's just say a planner. You said they're skyrocketing. Let's say somebody's like, yes, I want a planner. If they wanted to put it out, what's a way to like start it or test it without spending a fortune and then having it be a first draft that gets scrapped very quickly? Um, I'll let me answer this, but I just want to say, and when you're starting, don't put dates, don't oh, put the year. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Leave 2020. I mean, we could all skip 2020 at this point, but let's just leave all dates off so that you have that time to snowball it and get it going. And then Mina, if you want to answer that. Yeah. Great point. Yeah. I think it's hard because when you're thinking about a planner, for example, does your audience really need another planner? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, we see this in really seasoned entrepreneurs and people who have an audience and everything, they do kind of go to, I'm going to start making coffee cups with my brand on there. But it doesn't make sense because who needs another coffee cup with your brand on there, right? Um, But if it's a planner, if you have something that's in a way, something that you're creating a transformation, whether it be an experience or something, Mm -hmm. then it makes sense. So the seasoned entrepreneurs, which have a framework, for instance, you, for example, have uh, foot traffic formula Mm -hmm. that is essentially a product in itself that could be transformed into something that gives a result, right? So it, it makes more sense to create a brand around that, a physical product around that. So just saying that. But if you do have a planner and you insist on being bringing out a planner, I would say minimum viable product on it. You would start asking your audience, what do you guys like to see in planners? You start testing out certain things, taking polls and Instagram, mm-hmm. maybe posting up your different ideas. But basically what you should be doing is testing the things that you already know that work. Yes. So is it the framework that's gotten a lot of results? Is it the best selling or best performing opt-in? Is it the, you know, so you already have some data there Mm -hmm. to kind of say, Hey guys, I'm thinking about coming out with this planner. What do you think about this, 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 and this? So it kind of evolves into what it needs to be. The biggest mistake that product based people make is that they're stuck on the idea of being what they want it to be and only what they want it to be. We see that in Shark Tank all the time. We see that in, you know, you need to be able to let it evolve with what your customer needs and not what you want to release to the world in your own way. Right. Well, and sometimes I'll have people come and they'll say to me, okay, so I want to do this. And this is what I'm thinking. Like, well, are you your best testimonial? Do you use this? Like if you're not even doing it or using it, you know, if you're using somebody else's plan and you're like, but if I were to do a planner, I would do it this way. And you've never tested your own planner before. Start there. And then even having like a beta group or a founding members group to say, let's go through this together. Because like you just said, Just because you like it some certain way doesn't mean the market is or people are used to or familiar with doing it this way. So I love this idea. I love um, I love that you said don't put dates on it, Jacqueline, because, you know, we're even going into we're going to have a new um, I'm actually actually releasing a book. So that's a physical product, but then it goes into some digital things. However, you know, with the physical product and having this book and uploading it to Audible and getting it approved, it's very hard to put a real date on anything. And if we would have put the original date on that we thought months ago, we would ready to be a past that time, right? So I think think you're saying, don't put the date on it, have that flexibility. I think that is going to be super helpful because it just can continue to go. 
I love that. Yeah. And I think the thing that Mina was saying, and anyone thinking about adding a product, even we've been talking to service-based businesses that are lash companies, nail polish. Like if you follow Olive and June, for example, they are a salon in LA that had to close down and they started doing Manny boot camp when the whole COVID pandemic ha- happened. Ship these manicure kits to people. They are sold out. They've done collaborations. It's like through the roof amazing what they've done. They took that home experience they took the experience they would get at salon and brought it home. Yeah. So same with lash salons, right? They're, they're buying false lashes and they're selling them to their clients. But what I do want to say is that it's the experience around any product. So even if you're selling a candle, it's that community you're building online and the experience and how are you bringing them in? I think, I think to sell a product right now, whether you are already a service-based business or you want to come out with a product, you need to have more to it than just, this is my product and I'm going to sell it to you. So I think that's just really important no matter how you, you slice it. Yeah. I yeah. love that. Were you we, need to be relevant. Yeah. Well, and just because somebody needed it or wanted it before, do they want it or need it now? You know, I think there sometimes can be the shiny object of, oh, wow, I should start creating masks or whatever you're going to say because everybody needs it right the second. But are you in it for the long haul? Will this business still be a business six months from now, three years from now, right? Does it light you up? And does it, like you said before, I'm not sure who said it, but is it relevant to what you're doing? I think it was Mina, where it would be something that really enhances the current experience that you already have. So that's really, really big. And I'm so happy. Um, Yeah, somebody just said good info. So thank you guys so much. Um, Any mistakes or other things we didn't cover that you see clients when they first come to you? Like what are some quick fixes? I would say right now, um, some big mistakes that people are doing might be that they are um, not adapting quick enough. Okay. Some of it is speed to implementation, for example, speed to market. And right now is, I mean, I know you said not to do mass, but sometimes that's what it's going to take for you to run faster than the rest of the people oh, to be relevant. Totally. Yeah. You know, so if well, it fits I've been in. To, oh, sorry. Mm-hmm. I've been oh, no, saying ahead. to go some ahead. of my clients, like somebody said to me, it's not my target market, but I need cash now. And I know I could make mm-hmm. some quick money because I've got this expertise in this. And I was like, go like, yeah, run with mm-hmm. it, go there. Like you do what you need to do. But if there's an opportunity to do something that could be more long-term run there first, you know what I mean? So no, I appreciate you saying that because you're right. Somebody might need it now. And if they have the experience and opportunity, take it and run with it. Another thing we say is go deep, not wide. So people will think they have to throw spaghetti at the wall and do all the things and all the products and everything in order to be relevant to everyone. And instead, we've seen people rise to the top with singular products Mm -hmm. and being really focused on their customers. So it doesn't mean you have to make everything. It just means you have to have something good that people want and then sell that. So I think that's another thing. Just don't think you have to do everything. Yeah, I agree with that. I'm glad you, I'm glad you said that because I think a lot of people might be thinking, but one product isn't a business. Like, can I really start this if it's just one simple thing? How long do you recommend people stay on track with that one product before they branch out and diversify? Well, Mina has a whole business, little labels where she makes baby bottle labels and she, (laughs) and she has how many version variations of the labels? I mean, I only have two products, but I have 30 different variations, for example, you know, so it's going with what, you know, what works, but expanding upon that with variations Mm -hmm. or the way it's normally done in the product business is, or the way we teach it is when you go deep, 
you see something work. And a variation might be a two-pack or maybe it's a black color or a white color or whatever. But aside from that, when that starts getting, you know, you think you've hit that, then maybe it's a different price tier. It's for the people who have more money or the people that are just starting out in your product, right? Because you see that with dance, right? There's the starter people and there's the people that are simply more um, into it for the training, elite training, for example. They're willing to pay more money. And so, there's different tiers of your target market, but there's also different variations of your product that you could go forever, really, mm-hmm. and go really deep yeah. before you go wide. I always bring up the Juicy Couture tracksuits. Mm. Do you remember? Yes. So they had started with an entire business before that. I own denim from Juicy Couture, but they went, they they hit it big on the tracksuit. And they did every single color you could imagine and shorts and puff sleeves until they sold that company for like $200 million. It was a lot at that point. And that was based on the tracksuit. Yeah. All the bags and the jewelry and the perfume you see is once they were bought out. So oh. if something works, you keep selling it and you have variations to it. A lot of times people are over it and they're like, I'm ready to move on. But don't. If it's bringing in money, you keep going. Yeah. That's a great reminder too, because you look at somebody that you really aspire to be and you look at juicy, let's say, and you see all of the things. So you try to mimic them. But if you don't know the backstory, right, you miss out on what actually got them to break through that wall and become successful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So good. All right. Now I know we could keep talking forever. I know you guys also have a masterclass that they could join. If, if somebody is serious and they really want to go deeper on products, they know that this is the year where can, can you talk about the masterclass? Like what they're going to learn, where that link would be. Absolutely. So it's our pivot and sell masterclass. And we teach the three truths and untruths to how a successful product business grows, survives and thrives right now. This is our reaction and response to COVID and the time of uncertainty, which Mm -hmm. is going to be for a little bit when it comes to retail. And you're going to learn the secrets to maximizing your revenue. And it's from Mina and myself. So you could head to pivot and sell dot and it's totally free masterclass. It's there. It's free. And we just want to help as many people as possible. I love that. And I'm so happy to hear that it's relevant and it's not something you did eight months ago when we were not in this um, situation. So that's really exciting to see like you pivoted, you made sure you had relevant content for your community as well. Where can people find you on social and the podcast and everything else as well? Well, our favorite place to be is Instagram. So you can find us at the product boss. We're always in there and you can find the podcast anywhere you listen. So Apple podcasts, iHeartRadio, wherever at the product boss. Don't forget the, the, at the beginning. Okay. <laughs> so the product boss and, and our website is the Amazing. You guys are so incredible. Definitely a go-to when it comes to products. So I appreciate you being here and sharing your expertise and you guys go check them out on their podcast and everywhere else as well. All right. Thanks guys so much. See you soon. Thank you. Thanks, Stacey. And that's a wrap. If you are loving the Foot Traffic Podcast, then I know you would love Foot Traffic Formula. It's my group coaching and accountability program where we turn your marketing goals into results. Head over to foottrafficprogram.com and get your marketing working for you today.